This podcast is sponsored by the IAFF Financial Corporation. Working with Nationwide since 2003, the IAFF Financial Corporation provides IAFF members with access to deferred compensation plans, Roth 457s, post-employment health plans, and health savings accounts through the Frontline Program. With over $12 billion in assets under management, this program gives our brothers and sisters choices in their financial health. Visit IAFF-FC.com for more information. Welcome back to another edition of the IAFF podcast. This is Mark Treglio, Assistant to the General President for Communications, along with Doug Stern, Director of Strategic Campaigns. How are you today, Doug? Doing well. How about you, Mark? I'm excited about this podcast. I'm very excited about this episode. It's a long time coming, but it's a serious topic, and it's a topic I think needs to be addressed. I think it's a topic that covers multiple spectrums across our union. I think we get into a bind sometimes in our union when we're in one section of the country, and this is how my my local operates, and they think that's the case everywhere, and it, that's not really the case There are different parts of the region where, quite frankly, our leaders are in tougher fights than others. They don't have the laws that protect them, yet they still get up every morning. They fight the fight and they do a great job. One of those leaders is with us today. He's somebody who is like a brother to me. I've personally known him for over a decade. We came up together, so to say, in the 12th district, me in Jacksonville and him in Charlotte. His name is Tom Brewer. He's president of Charlotte Local 660. How are you today, Tom? I'm doing great. I really, like you said, you guys talked about being excited, super excited about this opportunity to share our story. You know, everybody has their own story and uh, just looking forward to sharing a little bit of Charlotte's story with uh, all the sisters and brothers in the IFFF. We're going to jump into all that in just a minute, but you are pretty popular around the IFF. But for those who do not know you, let's let's talk about you for a bit. Tell us who you are, where you're from and uh, what you do. Uh, I'm Tom Brewer, uh, currently in Charlotte, North Carolina. You, you mentioned the president of Local 660, the Charlotte Firefighters. You know, prior to that, I served in the Air Force and uh, came right from that firefighter in the Air Force and uh, went right from the Air Force to the city of Charlotte. Growing up, we were gypsies, I tell everybody. So uh, I lived all over the place, went to like eight different school systems growing up. So I'm a little bit of, from everywhere. What are you doing these days on the Charlotte Fire Department? Uh, I'm currently a captain on Engine 2, just uh, downtown Charlotte. So I've been a captain there for about five years now. Okay. It's always nice to talk to another engine guy. <laughs> Mark, Mark understands where I'm coming from. Yep. Mm-hmm. I'm sure he does. <laughs> so Tom, Local 660 is a, a three-digit local. It's got a long history of membership in the IFF. Tell us a little bit about the local. How big is it? What are some of the big wins in the local's history? You know, I would say like when we tell the story of uh, Local 660, it usually starts out with Jesse Atkins and the assembly, the firefighters back then when they made collective bargaining. You know, we're still one of only two states where collective bargaining is outlawed for public safety workers. But at the time, they wouldn't even allow the members to join a group or an association. So uh, Jesse Atkins and the firefighters, while they lost the title union, they never stopped meeting. Uh, they consider it's funny when you sit around that a lot of them still come to meetings, and when you uh, you hear them tell the story how they would have to meet in like 
clandestine places. They would meet in churches or at the Y because the state, you know, forbid them. Well, if you go into the 60s, Julius Chambers was a prominent civil rights attorney. And um, he took the case for Local 660. We were, we were the, his first ever white clients. And uh, it went all the way to the North Carolina Supreme Court. And it reemphasized the, our, right to org- our right to assemble, the freedom to assemble. And so uh, we were able to get our charter back uh, after that big win. And uh, from there, you know, uh, we've been fighting the battle ever since, whether it's dues checkoff, which took, you know, over 30 years to accomplish. But, you know, we were able to get that in 2012. Today, it may not seem like a big deal, but in 2011, North Carolina actually had a bill up for vote and they were going to um, ban same-sex marriage and making a constitutional amendment in the North Carolina Constitution. Well, while all that was going on, Local 660 was approached by some of our members. You know, you talk about accomplishments. Again, today it may not seem like a big deal, but during that time frame, 2011, 2012, we were the only group. And um, we went to the dais at a city council meeting and we asked for same-sex benefits, not just for our members, but for all city employees because, they, you know, they couldn't get health insurance uh, for their loved ones. And it was, it kind of blew everybody away, including our members. I remember at the time the e-board had made the decision that we weren't going to shy away from it. Every phone call we got, we were going to take, we were going to explain to our members that the role of the union is to give voice. And uh, we were giving voice to our members. And uh, I'm proud to say that I kept, I lost count after 200 and I think 25 Two weeks after we took the dais and asked for it, Charlotte City Council passed it, and uh, we challenged our members. We, you know, answered all their questions, and at that time, not one member got out of the local over it. So we thought that was a pretty big accomplishment at the time. We fought for fair promotional processes, unbiased processes, with a that was done by a third party vendor with all outside assessors. You know, we were able to work with council and um, the city manager's office. And the chief on that, unfortunately, that only happened one time. Uh, that was about two years ago. We're back to internal assessors. But, you know, like like the union movement as a whole, the struggle always continues. And we'll continue to fight for fair promotional processes, the equitable treatment of all of our members to make sure all rules are, are followed. But uh, I mean, I think those are some of our big wins. You know, other than that, we've you know won several lawsuits over the years to ensure that every firefighter gets paid out the right amount at the end of their career that we won that about two years ago. And we've won some other lawsuits, whether it was retaliation and promotional stuff. But those are some of our accomplishments that we're proud of. I think, Tom, those are things you definitely should be proud of. Those are big accomplishments for any local, but especially in a local that's in the atmosphere that you guys are with your inability to to outright outright ban collective bargaining on you. You guys are doing a heck of a job. Um, I know Mark's got a follow-up question, but I just think don't discount how hard it is to work in the environment you are and the great job that you're doing down there. Okay. And, you know, Tom, you've been really successful in a very tough environment. Uh, Charlotte is in the South. You know we're doing organizing down there. You know we have the conversations on a regular basis. It is just tough, especially in a state where collective bargaining is banned in the Constitution. So you've done a great job down there. But there's always the next fight. There's always the, that animosity towards unions, so to say, or, or maybe not an, an animosity, so, but a perception of that union's bad. There's just not that culture that you'll have in other unions where 
people grew up in union households and, you know, their, their parents were in the union. And so they knew they, they were going to be good in a union. I don't think there's a lot of that down there. So that, that leads to more issues that you have to overcome to be successful. So what are some of those other past issues that, you know, anti-union tactics, things of that, that local 660s had to engage in over the past? Uh, You're right, Mark. You you talk about in, not just in, anti-worker, anti-labor environment, it's, uh, you know, sometimes it's downright anti-union. And most of our employees, most of our our sister and brother firefighters, they do come in from an environment where their parents didn't work in a union. So um, it was never passed on. So a lot of times, you know, we have to start by just educating our members, our potential members on what a union is, what our role is, you know, and we get to a point too, where we have, you know, Charlotte's a big transplant city. And we get a lot of um, firefighters that come to work from other departments and they'll ask, well, if you can't collectively bargain, what can you do for us? If you can't sign us a contract, you know, we don't have the power of a contract to show our members, hey, we negotiated this for you. You know, this is, you know, this is what we were able to go to the table and and win. So we have to use our influence. You, You know, it's influence versus power. So we have to have influence not just over our elected leaders, but also our administrations to try to to be our members' voice, to give them their story and, and why we need certain protections or certain health benefits. It, it is, it's an environment where, you know, not just in Charlotte, I've definitely seen it in Charlotte, but even across the state where, you know, workers who speak up are retaliated against, or they, they believe they won't be promoted if they speak out against the administration, or if they speak up for someone else. It, it definitely makes it challenging, you know, because everybody wants that next promotion. They want to they, they want to rise up through the ranks. And that's a good thing. But at the same time, because they believe that if they speak out or go against the chief or the administration or against the city, you know, they believe it could be used against them. So it kind of when it comes to participation or even action, there's a lot of people that support us, but then don't want to put their name to it because of the potential repercussions. So. That's going to lead me into the issues that you're facing today. You've been a president now for, correct me if I'm wrong, but we're coming up on eight to 10 years. You're in that range as a president. So you're a seasoned leader, like I said, down there in that environment, and you get stuff done for your members. Uh, I've seen it. But I know you're heading into some issues today uh, that you've been dealing with in the past. And uh, what are some of those issues? Uh, you know, we, we talked on the one on retaliation. Uh, we talked about, you know, fair and equitable promotional processes. The, um, the other thing, too, that we're dealing with now for the first time in, in my labor career is where we have a fire chief and an administration that just refused to talk with us. Uh, we, we did the, you know, labor management alliance with the international. You know, we had set down ground rules how that we were going to work together Uh, We were meeting monthly, the chief and I, and in May, you know, he just cut off all communication. Uh, We still email, we still, we want to come to the table. It's okay to disagree, but we should never get to a point where we don't even talk to each other. But because of the environment we work in, in a non-collective bargaining state, you know, they can't be forced. And so we do have to go now to the manager and to counsel rather than to be able to sit down with the fire chief and and talk about these issues. You know, he readily admits that he's the one that ended communication a couple of weeks ago. We still try to, you know, talk to to people in the the, um, administration. Our vice president went and met with them. 
And they were like, listen, the e-board as a whole wants to get back to meeting. This isn't good. We can't, you know, we can't continue down this road. It's not, it's not a healthy relationship for ourselves or for the department or for the administration or for the union administration. And, you know, at this time, they're just not willing to even sit down and talk with us. So this is a, a brand new environment for, uh, for me that I've never been, uh, that I'm not used to working in. But again, we, you know, we've told the chief and we told our members, you know, and a lot of times in the fire service, we talk about the chain of command. Well, in government, there's a chain of command too, and it doesn't stop with the fire chief. So we will go to the, we'll take it to the next level, whether it's the city manager's office or our elected leaders. And uh, we'll make sure our members' voices are heard, but it's definitely a, a tough environment. You know, that being said, Tom, you know, the relationships at a fracture point right now, what are some of the things that led to that fracture? Well, you know, the one thing, Marvin Wilson, longtime local 660 president, um, he told me early in my union career, once you become an executive board member, you don't have an option but to be honest. And, and I think honesty is the key to un- any relationship. And if you look at like the latest lawsuit that was filed, um, you know, during the depositions in the complaint, you know, it was, it was told in the most recent complaint, it was said that the chief was told by an HR manager of dishonesty by a battalion chief or by a deputy chief. Now I say that only because I know for a fact, multiple battalion chiefs have gone to chief Johnson about dishonesty with it, with the, with the deputy chiefs. I personally have talked with him about, you know, dishonesty with the deputy chiefs, you know, and it's never been dealt with. You know, we can deal with a lot, but it's hard to deal with things when you don't believe the other side is being honest. All right. So when the reason I key in on that, Mark, about the HR manager talking about dishonesty, I promise you anyone in city HR is not in this local. So that's an HR manager talking about dishonesty. And so and again, I know battalion chiefs and myself have gone to the fire chief about addressing this. And the one thing about any type of leadership is people have to be able to trust. You know, people, whether they, they, they like Local 660 or they like me personally or not, they know that we're honest. Sometimes too blunt, sometimes too in your face. I get all that. But we are honest. But, you know, when you have a fire administration who now has been accused by city HR of being dishonest, it feeds to what we have been saying that it's hard to work in that environment or with that group. So I think part of the fractured environment is the fact that, you know, I, I, I point blank asked the fire chief, if this is going on, how can you allow that person to be a debt, be a um, assessor in a promotional process? I mean, and to this day, nothing's been done about that. And those people are still going to be allowed to be assessors when they get multiple complaints and now they're named in lawsuits and stuff about being dishonest. So uh, I think that led that leads to a lot. But if it happened, if they were dishonest, let's address it, let's own it, and let's move on. We all make mistakes, but we can't just go into a shell because it got brought to light. We have to address it, you know, as a department, as a union. Um, we're not going to allow our members to be lied to. And when they are lied to, we are going to call them out on it. That's our job. And we hope our members see the value in that because if they're lying to this individual today, they may be lying to them personally tomorrow. 
So you don't have a relationship with the fire chief. He's cut you out, but you are able to work through political action to get things done um, by going to the manager and eventually the council and the mayor. Talk about some of the things that you're doing there and, you know, not just with the political people, but also with some of the community engagement that you've had. Yeah, that's one thing that we've always we've always been big on is community engagement. But but before we talk about community engagement, I, I want to talk about one other thing about a type of engagement, and that is engaging our membership. And because they are the key to this. So just like we engage our membership through newsletters, uh, through videos, through, uh, you know, COVID is COVID has forced us to change things. And I, it's not all for the bad. I, I think a lot of this has been for the better. Um, we've been doing Zoom meetings. And while you don't get that personal connection, you do get to talk to, you know, a wider audience at times where you'll have whole stations listening in. Um, you know, we'll have more people participate in a Zoom meeting than we're coming to meetings. So the same way we're reaching with them that we're reaching out with council members in groups, you know, outside groups that um, we always worked with before. The one thing we've always been fortunate in Charlotte, at least my time in the local, is we have a building. And so with that building, you know, we would allow groups to uh, to use the building for their charity fundraisers, uh, for their events and to raise money for charity. So we were always big players with them. And even during COVID, we've kept contact with them. And so we share our issues with them and, you know, some of our newsletters. You know, we rely on them, too, to help us with counsel to, you know, use that IFF, that Charlotte Firefighter brand when it comes time, you know, for election and for to work with politicians. And when it comes to working with politicians, you're being a little modest. I know Local 660 has been very active and very successful on the political end of things uh, when it comes to local elections. Uh, how is that? How's that shaping up for you? You know, everybody says they hate politics. Well, there is a small group of us that, that don't hate politics. They, they like being actively involved in it. And uh, that group of members, they're, they're just incredible. And, you know, we're still able to talk with council members. We're still able to talk with our elected leaders in Raleigh um, on a regular basis. And now the one thing that's going on in North Carolina, I'm not sure if it's going around the, the rest of the country. We were looking forward to this fall uh, as the, the election cycle for all of our council members and the mayor were up for um, re-election. And so they're talking about now holding off the elections for a year. They were going to talk about it at the council meeting on Monday night, but they were waiting for the state to make a ruling. That's definitely going to change the environment because we're used to being able to use that political avenue, um, especially the elections, to uh, help get our people elected and to get new people that support our cause elected. Uh, but yeah, we are very active politically yeah, we can't. And, you know, that training all goes back to the, the stuff we've learned from the international and uh, putting it to use here in Charlotte. OK, Tom, I want to circle back to uh, something you mentioned a little bit a while ago, and that was the fact that the relationship between your chief and the members of the local have have sort of are on a pause right now. Um, knowing you, you're politically astute. Anybody can come talk to you. Uh, you know, you're pretty open and you're a fair guy. How did this relationship get to that point? I mean, there had to be some issues uh, leading up to this uh, with the membership that that got to a point to where there's no communication. So about three years ago, you know, Charlotte had like, you know, like a lot of cities, you know, we had gone through some some issues, some some turmoil. So there was an outside fire chief brought in. 
the um, outside, outside fire chief, uh, Reginald Johnson, came in. And when he came in, I, you know, I'll never forget some of the things I told him. I, I was like, you know, you've been put in a very you know difficult situation because, you, you know, you have a lot to clean up. And, and you're cleaning up some, some uh, you know, you don't want to use the term mess, but let's say we do. Let's use the term mess. You're, you're asked to clean up someone else's mess. Well, not only when you come in, you know, he came in as an outsider. And being an outsider doesn't make you a bad, it's not a bad thing. It definitely doesn't make you a bad person. But what it does do is you come in with no institutional knowledge. All right. Every fire department's the same way. You have different factions, you have different groups. Well, everybody was fighting for his attention and to hear their cause and to get their side of things. And so, you know, he had to be able to put trust in a lot of people. You know, sometimes people use their position or their time with someone for nefarious reasons. So if you ask me, I think it all started off with where maybe he got some bad information. Like you said earlier, I'm an open book. I told him, you know, how that how the local was and how we were going to be. And I made it clear, you're going to hear a lot of things about Local 660. And I said, but understand this, we know that you're going to hear those things. We can't control those things. The only thing we're concerned about is our integrity and we are going to stand up for truth and honesty, and you're going to know exactly where we're coming from. It's one of those things, everybody says, well, they appreciate bluntness. They like bluntness. You know, it, you don't have to cut through all the, the bullshit. But what I've learned is not just this time, but in, in life, sometimes people think they like bluntness until they have to deal with it. But we are very blunt. We're right to the point. It, it can come across as adversarial. It can come across as you know, angry, you know, people have described myself and the local as very aggressive and they're right. I mean, Charlotte is an aggressive fire department. Uh, we do aggressive interior firefighting, interior tactics. And I say that only because we're an aggressive union. We take aggressive stands. We're the voice of our members and we take it very serious. We take it very personal. And so we're not just going to stop if, if we don't get the answer the like, or if we get put off and they don't give us an answer the first time. And we're standing up for our members and their families, and um, we're not going to apologize for that. You know, sometimes it can be hard to deal with. No, I, th I think you're right, Tom. I, I think there's a difference between being aggressive, standing up for yourself, and being adversarial to just argue to argue. And I think where you're at is being that aggressive standing up for your guys and your girls. I, I think, you know, the, the comparison you make to being an aggressive firefighter is a good one. Everybody loves the aggressive firefighter stuff, but then they use aggressive as a pejorative against the union, and that's just not right. Um, being aggressive is what gets things done. Sitting back and waiting is what gets you taken advantage of. So I don't think you should ever have to apologize for being aggressive. I, I think when you look back, your chief got some bad information about you maybe, but it's about how working forward and some of the things that you guys have sought to do or you guys have gotten kind of stiff-armed the whole time. Um, and talk a little bit if you could about what you're doing to combat that and how you're working extra hard to communicate with your members now. Yeah. And, and it really does come down, you know, you know, we talk about not communicating with the, with the, the fire administration, not being a good thing. We are going to make sure that doesn't happen with our memberships. Um, aside from, you know, the zoom meetings, we hope to get back to personal meetings, the Facebook closed groups, the newsletters, uh, we are about to launch our own podcast. It's just another way to reach members. Eventually, we'll we'll be past COVID. And um, prior to COVID, we were making some very solid inroads with station visits. 
uh, we definitely plan on um, additional station visits. And so we can reach our members personally and, you know, explain to them the benefits of unionism, explain to them why, you know, we have to stand together. And even if we disagree on issues, it's okay. We, We just did our first election in you know, 20 something, 30, whatever years in the, in the IFFF. And by all accounts, it's going to be a close election. Why? Because there's people on both sides, the national election, people on both sides. When it comes to COVID shots, there's people on both sides that want shots or don't believe in vaccines. Well, it's no different with our members. We have members that don't agree with on, don't agree with the union stance on some issues, but they do agree on other issues. What we have to be able to do and what our goal is at Local 660 is to show our members, hey, we can have a difference of opinion on this one. But when it comes to retiree health care, when it comes to improved benefits, medical insurance for you and your family, that's something we can all agree on. Let's focus on those things that we can that we do agree on. And the one thing that we always tell our members too, you know, right now there's currently five lawsuits versus the city of Charlotte versus the fire department. And there are a lot of people that say, oh, well, they're just suing to sue or the only reason they're doing, they mean, the only way they can get things done is to sue. Well, two things. One, it's very alarming that you have to sue to get your point across or to win. But more than anything, what we try to tell our members, take that individual's name out of the lawsuit and insert yours. Insert someone on your truck. What if that's your daughter, your son, who was on the fire department and that was happening to them? Let's not make these issues personal. You know, there's a lot of stuff going on, you know, in the country and in the fire service. And, you know, we try to tell people that we are divided by design. If the city manager's office, if the politicians, you know, and if if a fire chief can keep the department divided, well, then they win. It's the oldest tactic in, in military warfare in, in, in history. It's divide and conquer. So we, we try to let people know that all of these issues, we are divided by design. They want to make it personal. You know, a lot of there, there are some city staff that continually refer to us as the union, the union. Well, that's just the union. Well, as it's a negative connotation. And they mean to do that when they talk to city council or when they're when they're addressing um, other members in the department. They want you to make it personal. They want you to make a personal decision. Yeah. So those are the kind of things that we continually are fighting. Um, if you want to say the misinformation campaign, we're trying to clear up that misinformation that the union is a good thing. It's like the old saying, you know, the, the, the old pins, but you know, union thug, the, the helpful union guy, this union stands up for our members and for processes. And that, and that's the point we really want to drive home to our, to our people. So Tom, what are some of the key issues that the locals has been battling? You know, aside from the lawsuits, you know, some of the other things that we find are, that are very concerning to us, backtrack a little bit, Mark, because when you asked about our big wins, one of our big wins in 2012 was we were able to do away with off-duty training. For years, the department had asked recruits to come back to, you know, to um, do different things for, you know, for promotion or to make their next pay step. And so we were able to fight to get that done. Uh, we still have the the letter from City HR that talked about, well, if they go to work, if they go to training off duty, they're not covered under workers' comp. Well, this fire chief, without talking to the union, without his command staff even bringing it up, they just changed that policy. Well, we're going to bring recruits back to the train academy 
to make them do additional classes off duty. Again, not only are they not under workers' comp, you know, in this day and age, we talk about the stress of firefighting. We work the longest hours in the city, the sleep deprivation. Well, now a city the size of Charlotte is going to ask their employees to come back for training. CMPD, the same, the police department, their, their, their people would never do it, nor are they never asked to do it. But our fire chief just reinstitu- reinstituted that. You know, it was the same thing, you know, during COVID. I, I, where, I want to pause there, Tom. Yeah. Let, me, let me be real clear what you just said. You're new rookie firefighters are working a 24 hour shift at the firehouse and then going to training off duty unpaid for X amount of hours and then going home. That's what they're going to be asked to do. Correct. Okay. I just want to make sure that I understood how, cause it sounds crazy. And I just wanted to make sure that I understood that it was indeed crazy. Oh yeah. <laughs> it's like I said, not only is it crazy, it's just, it's mind blowing because we fought so hard for that. You know, we worked with the mayor, um, believe it or not, it was actually when the democratic national convention came to Charlotte and, uh, you know, we talk about making those bold stances and Mark probably remembers this. We actually came out against the democratic national convention in Charlotte and, and people thought we were crazy. They thought, Hey, this is a time to, 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 to spread light. But we took the opposite approach. We thought it was an insult that a state that treats workers, a city that doesn't recognize unions the way Charlotte does, that we were going to reward them with a convention. Well, anyways, it, it got so intense, Doug. Um, we actually got to sit down with the, at the time with uh, President Barack Obama. They actually arranged a meeting in, right outside of Charlotte where he you know, asked us to call off the boycott. And, and we said that we'd like to, but what do you got for us? Well, later on, a couple weeks later, the mayor came to us and said, give me three things that you guys want if it'll call off the boycott. And so we knew we kind of, we had to get something out of it. And so we got off-duty training canceled and, and dues check off. Yeah. So we, we had fought hard for that. And then, then then just to have it taken away. And it's not fair to the individuals, to the, to the firefighters. Again, like you said, it, it's just crazy that no one else in the city, no, no one else in the workforce is asked to come back and volunteer their time. You know, why are we going to ask the, the the youngest people in the department to do it? The ones at the bottom of the payroll, you know, and, and we talk about, you know, the international has had a huge push lately about the stress on the job at all. So we're going to add these additional stressors to the life. Well, you know, we had a member who we actually went to the individual's house, talked with them, talked with his family and uh, we were able to get one of our members with the help of some people and drive him to the, the Center for Excellence. Well, while he was in the Center for Excellence, he was served termination papers, like cited for termination, you know, while he was under a doctor's care. Um, I know for a fact this happened because I was in the mayor's office with the mayor and the HR director asking how it happened and get, making sure it got cleared up and that that person wasn't cited for termination. But I mean, but it actually happened. And that goes back to trust. I mean, if, you know, because people in the administration, you know, the the deputy fire chief did the right thing and asked us to help this person. So the administration knew he was in rehab and they made the decision to cite him for termination anyways. Luckily, we were able to get it stopped. But uh, it's just one more thing that when you, you, you know, you talk about, you know, being able to trust and what led to like maybe the relationship you know, we did stand up for that member. He was trying to get help. And I, I hope if anybody is out there trying to get help, that they wouldn't be cited for termination while they were actively, you know, in treatment. 
but yeah, those are, those are some of the kind of things that we're dealing with that, um, again, if we had a contract, you know, in a right to work state or, you know, in a, in a state with no collective bargaining where we can't get any of that, those are the kind of issues that we are fighting. How would you assess the morale in the fire department right now? Well, let me start by saying we all know morale is subjective, but I can tell you, I've been in the, the Charlotte Fire Department for 20 years and it's pretty bad. And it's pretty, uh, when you talk to division chiefs, battalion chiefs, you know, they'll admit that they've never seen it so low. And, and Mark, when you talk about morale, that makes the union's job even that much tougher. If you have a workforce that cares, you can build on that. If you have a workforce that is angry, you can build on that and make things better. But if you have an, if you're dealing with a workforce where morale is low and people just don't care anymore, well, then it, that's even that's even harder because when people are apathetic, it's hard to make them care. And and that's kind of unfortunately where where we're at in Charlotte when, you know, just talking to people in the stations in our in, in our meetings on Zoom, that has come across loud and clear, you know, and even talking talking to a multitude of members across different shifts, across different cities, you know, 43, you know, 43 stations, you know, three different shifts. It's a wide net, but when you're talking to people from across the city and all those different shifts, it's uh, the one constant is that morale is really low. It's like, you know, like some of the issues are just, you know, it blows our mind that, you know, we just, uh, the fire administration just changed the rank insignia for division, for battalion chiefs. The battalion chiefs across all three shifts signed a petition saying they didn't want them to change, that they had earned that badge, that that badge was pinned on them, that it was a, a Charlotte Fire Department history and tradition. And they didn't want to hear it. They had made their mind up. And then they asked the union to get involved. It, it was hard to talk to our members about, but you know sometimes you got to give members news they may not want to hear, but they have to hear. And the bottom line is rank insignias is not a union issue. Now, I will say this, and we did say this. During a global pandemic, in the middle of a global pandemic pandemic with COVID and the amount of people we had out, why this even became an issue from the administration is very troubling. But when that filters down to the rank and file, it's like, well, why are they dealing with this issue? But we can't get answers. We've been asking questions on workers' comp since July and can't get answers on that. How did this issue get moved up front? There was another issue, as weird as this sounds, puffy coats. You know, people had bought station coats you know, they were wearing them and then they were told they couldn't wear the puffy coats anymore. And and it was just like, it just, again, from a union standpoint, it, it just blew our mind that these were the issues that the administration, again, they won't come to the table to talk with us, but they'll address issues like, like puffy coats and, and rank insignias. Meanwhile, there's five lawsuits. Meanwhile, they won't answer questions on workers' comp. Meanwhile, you know, battalion chiefs ask questions up through the ranks and you don't get answers back. So it's like, you, you know, they get ignored just like the union gets ignored. So it's become very frustrating. Yeah, it's unfortunately, I don't think morale is real high in the, the city of Charlotte right now. So, so, Tom, knowing you for close to a decade, if not more, like I have, you're one of the most positive guys around. You're always looking for the, the positives out of everything. And there will eventually be some positives out of this. Um, how do you see the local moving forward, tackling these issues, uniting members, and eventually advancing the, fi- the fire department forward? Yeah, Mark. And I, I do want to go back and say one thing, too. And 
you know, you and Doug have got to experience a lot, you know, across the international, uh, me across the uh, North State of North Carolina. I will say this thing, you know, we were talking about morale of the department. With that being said, well, while morale with the department may be low, it's one of those things where station life is always great. So sometimes whether things are going hard in the union and stuff like that, you get to the station life with the, the people in the station and all is good while we're in the station, like with our family there. So um, yeah, you're right about that positive attitude. And, and and when you look at the future, you know, while things may, you know, everything's cyclical, it comes around and, you know, the, the struggle is always going to be there, you know, no matter you may clean up one issue, there's another struggle, another issue coming up. So you keep that in mind that, well, you know what, if we're, if, if morale is low or if things in the local are bad or if things in life are bad, well, there's nowhere to go, but up. And, and so we can build from there. So that, I mean, that in itself is something to look forward to that, that we got something to build upon something to, to work towards. And hopefully, you know, you mentioned about the eight years earlier, you know, I'm getting towards that end where I'm in that, you know, that retirement window. So we, you know, we have to start building new leaders and, and finding those, those people in the union, that younger generation to take that torch and move us forward. Yeah. I think there's a lot of positives in the future. I, I really think there's a yearning for people to get back to social interaction. And hopefully that spills over into some of the union stuff we do, whether it's, you know, meetings or the charity work or, you know, Ray, you know, helping our own out and things like that. Yeah. I think there's a tremendous opportunity, you know, moving forward. Yeah. We'll just make the most out of it and whatever situation we have that, you know, we'll deal with it. So Tom, I appreciate you coming on today. Uh, I know you got a tough fight down there. Uh, you've done a great job for a long time and uh, we really appreciate you taking the time to come on the show and explain to our members across the United States and Canada and, and, faraway places uh, on what Charlotte's going through at this time. So I appreciate it. And, uh, but I do want to give you one last opportunity to provide some closing thoughts on everything going on and uh, what you're going to do for the future. Uh, yeah. And thank you. And, and thank both uh, you and Doug Mark for this opportunity to, um, to share our story. And, and again, um, it's uh, as challenging as it is, it's, it's fun. It, it really is a joy to, um, to stand up for people, to, to, to belong to an organization, to belong to a group that, um, that believes in brotherhood and sisterhood. And, you know, that's just going to fight for people's rights. And so, you know, looking forward to the future and, uh, yeah, just thanks. Hope everybody out there stay safe and stay strong and stay union. Thanks, Tom. I, I, you know, as we wrap this up, I, I think people need to realize you are in a tough environment for a lot of us. Like, you know, I came from Ohio where we had collective bargaining. You're doing all this without that protection. And to accomplish a lot of the things that you have without that collective bargaining really speaks a lot about your leadership and your locals trust in you. So, you know, you're doing a great job. Um, keep it up. And hopefully some people have you know listened to this podcast and gotten some ideas about how they can work with their administrations or around a fire chief that maybe not be so may not be so friendly. And, you know, you've inspired them to do some things that they might not have thought of. So thank you for being here. Um, appreciate your time and appreciate your insight. Yeah, Tom, thank you very much. I appreciate it. I know, uh, uh, you know, I've said it a couple of times, right? It's a tough environment, but you've done a great job. North Carolina is full of uh, great union leaders on the fireside there for us uh, that do a great job in a tough environment. And uh, you've been there leading the pack for a long time and we appreciate it. And uh, thanks for coming on today. Hey, and thank you guys. And just to 
tag on to what you guys both said. It is a tough environment. There's a lot of people working in a tough environment and uh, it's uh, it's just unbelievable. You know, when you think about everything everybody goes through, but you know, giving up just isn't an option. So I hope everybody again, stays strong and keep the fight. Thanks, Tom. Thanks, Mark. Another really good podcast episode. Hopefully this has been insightful for folks as they build their union and consider some of the challenges that are out there for a lot of people in the IFF. This is a good time to remind everybody that you can catch the IFF podcast on anywhere that you get podcasts, whether it's Apple, Spotify, Podbean, you name it. Uh, we are in that market and uh, we encourage you to download all the episodes, catch up on, on ones you've missed, share with your friends and, uh, Thank you for joining us. Be safe out there. We'll catch you next time.